1: Hey, everyone. As 2022 comes to a close, I'm going to replay a few of our favorite episodes from the last year. Today, in a year when union organizing seemed to pick up steam, there was one union that got a ton of attention, Amazon. We spoke with labor reporter Steve Greenhouse back in April. That's when a Staten Island warehouse became the first Amazon facility to organize. We wanted to know what that vote really meant. All right, here's the show. Steve Greenhouse wrote the book on the American labor movement. Literally. It's called Beaten Down, Worked Up The Past, Present, and Future of American Labor. And you can tell organizing is more than just a beat for him. Like, as soon as we got on the line, he had this question for me
0: Isn't Mary Harris the original name of Mother Jones, or am I misremembering?
1: It is. Mother Jones became famous for organizing mine workers in the 1900s.
0: Yes, okay, good, yeah.
1: My high school social studies teacher made sure that I looked that up in the library when I was 15.
0: And and, and he or she didn't get fired for telling you that?
1: No, he was great. Steve is used to seeing labor movements get quashed. So when an Amazon warehouse in Staten Island voted in favor of unionization last week, a historic first, I knew Steve would be able to offer a little perspective. He said it was kind of a miracle that this vote went down at all.
0: To my mind, Amazon was easily, you know, the most difficult place in the country to unionize. You know, Amazon is fiercely anti-union. It's so darn hard to try to unionize a place with more than 8,000 workers, as the warehouse in Staten Island is, And Amazon is famous, infamous, that it has humongous turnover among workers. Workers leave after eight months on average. So it's like hard for a union or for anyone to like try to reach out to all these people before they leave. Yeah, it's hard to get a purchase. And and also, Amazon workers work so darn hard. So to win at Amazon is just a tremendous victory for labor.
1: But Steve puts a little asterisk by this victory when I asked how he would sum up the state of the American labor movement after this vote, in one word, here's what he said.
0: Turbulent.
1: Huh. Some people would look at all this energy and say, the union movement is
0: resurgent. I mean, I would say it has a way to go before I'm ready to say it's really resurgent. I mean, yes, it's picking up steam. It has much more energy than three and five and 10 years ago. I will only say it's surgeon if the amount of people who are joining unions, you know, grows rather than, than shrinks each year.
1: Today on the show, what a historic vote to rein in Amazon means, and what it doesn't. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Let's go back to the roots of this union drive in Staten Island. My understanding is that this story starts about 2 years ago, basically with the pandemic. Can you just start me off here?
0: Sure. So, at the Amazon warehouse in Staten Island, as at many other Amazon warehouses, the workers complain that Amazon wasn't doing enough to protect workers against COVID, that it wasn't giving them enough PPE, it wasn't doing enough to separate workers in the lunchrooms. And most importantly, they often said is that, you know, Amazon wasn't telling workers that the worker working right next to them had contracted COVID and they felt that, you know, we should know to quarantine ourselves, to protect our families. So the workers are really upset at Amazon. So at the Staten Island warehouse, a worker named Christian Smalls, who's a supervisor, I'm um, being the voice of the people that are afraid to speak up. Organized this protest outside where a few dozen workers came to say, Amazon, you know, you should do more to protect us against COVID. Amazon workers at a fulfillment center are walking off the job. They claim the facility isn't taking safety protocols. People were just being sick and it was like a domino effect. I tried to escalate this to my HR reps and they pretty much shut me down. And lo and behold, Amazon fired Christian Smalls saying, you violated social distancing rules. And Christian Smalls was really upset that he got fired and, and he kind of stood on that. So he and his best friend at Amazon, Derek Palmer. You know, at first, you know, it was like it was very discouraging, you know, hearing that Chris got fired, you know, just for doing the right thing, for standing up for, for all of us. They decided to set out to try to unionize Amazon and and. I was the first journalist to write a big story about that effort.
1: What did you think when you encountered these two guys who were like, all right, one of us just got fired. Next move is let's form a union.
0: Uh, You know, David versus Goliath. Yeah. I mean, it's these two very smart, very energetic, you know, likable guys. But it's like, how are these two guys going to beat this company that has a million workers in the US and 470 billion dollars in revenues and, and you know the richest or the second richest person in the world. it just seemed crazy you know Don Quixote's And lo and behold, here we are you know a year year and a half later they won. There is so much that's surprising about this
1: union recognition vote that the more you look, the more your mouth kind of hangs open. I've already mentioned that this is the first Amazon shop to approve a union here in the U.S., but it is also an unaffiliated union. It's not like the Teamsters or the SEIU came in and said, we're going to help you guys start a union. The Amazon workers of the Staten Island Fulfillment Center did it all on their own.
0: That's one of the reasons many, quote, labor experts, unquote, said, this unionization effort doesn't have a snowball's chance in hell. I mean, these two guys, this was such a low-budget operation that he relied on GoFundMe to get funding. But Kristen Smalls argued that it will really help us to say we are Amazon workers. You know, we know Amazon. We know the problems of Amazon. We know the problems that uh, other workers at Amazon face. We know about the stress. We know that the eighteen dollars an hour in New York that Amazon boasts about really doesn't go very far to help families make ends meet. And they said, you know, there are other unions that they're trying to organize Amazon, but they're not unions of Amazon workers. We're different, and I think in ways that resonated with workers. So it helped defeat, set back the argument that, oh, unions are just third parties. It shows that, no, this Amazon union is of, by, and for Amazon workers.
1: Workers who supported the union created a bunch of WhatsApp channels, like special channels for Black workers or immigrants at the Amazon warehouse. This was where they could inconspicuously answer questions about what a union might do for workers. Meanwhile, Amazon was hiring its own consultants to mingle at the warehouse and give the company perspective. But federal law requires businesses to disclose what they spend on these anti-union consultants. So eventually, the pro-union organizers got a hold of it.
0: One of the main worker organizers, a guy named Connor Spence, took it upon himself to you know use data to identify who these anti-union consultants are. And a lot of these anti-union consultants were fairly, Effective, because people didn't quite know at first they're anti-union consultants. They go around the shop floor and talk to workers, but you know Connor Spence and, and Christian Smalls and others would like to try to out them and say this guy is an anti-union consultant. He makes thirty-two hundred dollars a day,
1: which is pretty different than you know eighteen dollars an hour.
0: Yeah, I mean it's what it's what many Amazon workers make in a month. So they used data and research to help parry, to help you know, countervail what Amazon was doing in its big anti-union fight.
1: Amazon had this leaked memo where they called Chris Smalls not smart or articulate and they said, we want to make him the face of the movement. It seemed to be this interesting turning point for him where he said, okay, I'll be the face of the movement.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said, I am going to make Amazon eat those words. Last week I was a regular guy. You know, I'm a father of three kids. I didn't ask for none of this. On Monday, the world fell into my lap. I'm going to embrace it, and uh, they ain't not battling me. They battling everybody. It's going to be Amazon versus everybody. It's not going to ever be Amazon versus Chris Small. So if that's what they think is going to happen, they sadly mistaken. A lot of you know people who aren't very familiar with unions don't begin to realize how hard it is to organize a facility with 8,000 people. It's just very, very hard. Workers are very scared to stick their necks out. They're scared to wear a pro-union t-shirt. They're scared to wear a pro-union button. They're worried they'll get fired or demoted. But what happened in Staten Island is a critical mass developed where a few workers started wearing pro-union t-shirts and pro-union lanyards and more did and more did and more did so that people saw – this was catching like wildfire and they weren't so scared and they were, they were willing to step up. And, an, and another difference, Mary, is you know, the unemployment rate is very low now in the U.S. So often when workers think of organizing, they worry, hey, if I stick my head above the parapet, it's going to get shot. I'm going to get shot. I'm going to get fired. And then I'm really screwed. But now with the unemployment rate so low, workers think, hey, if I get fired, I can easily get a job elsewhere so I don't have to worry so much.
1: A lot of the coverage of this unionization effort has focused on a bus stop. This is the bus stop where a lot of the warehouse workers go to get to and from work.
0: Why was the bus stop so important? In Staten Island, most of the employees take buses to work. So you can talk to them at the bus stop. And there's this bus stop where each day hundreds, probably thousands of Amazon workers get off buses and get on buses. So these workers are very accessible to the union organizers. Christian and Derek Palmer, they could stand out there and talk to the workers. So the bus stop was really like the epicenter of, of the organizing. Um, it, was a, it was just a combination of me and Derek uh, on the inside-outside game. You know, me at the bus stop, connecting with workers, earning the trust, building relationships. Uh, Derek actually um, inside the building, talking to workers every day. I mean, we've gotten through this horrible pandemic, and a lot of workers were just angry, angry, angry pissed off about how poorly Amazon treated them and they're like willing to stand up. And of course, you know, during the pandemic, you know, Amazon had record profits, their revenues skyrocketed, you know, the CEOs took more and more money. You know, Jeff Bezos' value rose tens of billions of dollars. And they're saying, I endangered my life every day, getting onto buses, getting on subways, eating next to people in the lunchroom. Why do I have to show for it? Maybe a dollar raise where I'm still struggling to make ends meet?
1: I was struck, too, by the fact that this Amazon labor union, it recruited people not just to the union, but to Amazon itself. Like, it helped get workers in the door who liked their vibe and what they were doing. And that helps in terms of getting more support in the unit.
0: Absolutely. So... You know, if you read labor history, you see that like during the 1930s, you know, all these college graduates, you know, were kind of lefty who grew up in families that were struggling to get through the depression, they went to work at General Motors or Ford the United States Steel. They say, we want to help unionize these places to build union power and make sure workers you know, share more in their company's profits and prosperity, just to, you know, lift living standards. And I think some workers, I think we're talking dozens, not hundreds here, smart people, some college graduates, some teachers who are, you know, furloughed for a year. They went to work at Amazon, uh, some of them because, you know, we want to help this place unionize. We'll be right back.
1: In the latest season of Blind Spot from WNYC Studios and the History Channel, join host Kai Wright as he travels back to a pivotal moment in the history of this country. Decades before COVID 19, a virus tore through some of our most vulnerable communities while the wider world looked away. Throughout the season, you'll meet people who demanded that they and their illness be seen mothers, children, doctors, nurses, nuns, and sex workers all leading to a woman who literally helped change the definition of AIDS. Blind spot, The plague in the shadows. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What can we say about the win that just took place? Like how many workers voted? How many of them wanted the union in the end?
0: So, it roughly, it's like twenty six hundred to twenty one hundred, and the union got more than fifty five percent. So it was a fairly significant win. It wasn't just, it wasn't a cliffhanger. So there's going to be a unionization election later this month at a second Amazon facility in Staten Island, and and there are about 2, 2,500 workers there.
1: Is Chris Small's leading that effort as well?
0: His union, the Amazon Labor Union, is leading that effort. Yes, and I would be optimistic that there'll be a union win there, and I think. Amazon has this strategy of how it goes about beating a union and it really didn't work. You've pointed out
1: that like the the workers make what they're doing look fun. Like they have a TikTok and, you know, if you go there, you can see the dance party they had after the vote. And Amazon, meanwhile, the vibe is like dad, basically. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, so... One thing I, I in, in really thinking about what was happening here, you know, so we had Christian Slaus and Derek Palmer, these, you know, nice, fun guys. They they helped make you know, barbecues at the bus stop. They're giving our free food at the bus stop. There was a sign at the pro union uh, table saying, free weed or food. I'm not going to go there. You know, they had parties. They played music. They did these, you know, smart things on TikTok. You know, they engaged workers and they were promising, you know, we're gonna if we unionize, we're gonna seek thirty dollars an hour, a minimum of thirty dollars an hour here, not eighteen dollars an hour. We're gonna seek more rest breaks. Yeah, two
1: paid thirty-minute rest breaks.
0: Yeah, you know they were seen as like good, fun guys, and in contrast, Amazon was like very dour and dark, and you know kept saying, "Oh, the union is bad. The union's a third party." And I think people, when they were casting their ballots and whether unionized, like for whom do I vote? Do I vote for dark, dour dad Amazon? Or do I vote for my buddies, Christian Smalls and Derek Palmer? Not just because they're fun, nice guys, but because they really believe that these guys have been fighting for a union and will fight for better conditions and pay for us if and when we unionize. So, you know, I think in traditional union elections, workers often think, well, do I choose the employer whom I really don't like very much, or do I choose The union, whom I don't know very well. But when there's this worker to worker bottom up organizing, as we saw in Staten Island, people are thinking, I'm not voting for this distant union I don't know. I'm voting for me and my friends. And I think that really makes it much easier, makes many workers much happier to vote for a union.
1: And Chris Smalls seemed really happy to point out the hypocrisy at Amazon. Like when the vote was over, he said, You know, we want to thank Jeff Bezos for going to space because while he was up there, we were signing people up. And of course it just points out like this guy has so much money. He can send himself on a pleasure trip to space. Whereas we're fighting for a couple extra bucks an hour. But it made me, I started wondering looking at all of these videos of Chris Smalls and Derek Palmer, how much of this union victory was about them Like the lightning in the bottle that these two seem to capture by being so charismatic and so dedicated. Because the downside of that is I'm not sure how replicable it is.
0: I mean, that's a good question. In ways, it is catching lightning on a bottle. But I wouldn't be surprised now if there are efforts to unionize Amazon warehouses in pro-union Chicago or pro-union Los Angeles or pro-union San Francisco or pro-union Boston or pro-union Seattle. I think it could happen all these kind of blue political pro-unionaries, some of them will be very effective and they'll follow what Christian and Derek did. And I think some of them will be successful. So let's talk about Amazon because it doesn't seem to me
1: that in the wake of this union vote, Amazon is backing off of its anti-union stance. There was a story just the other day about how Amazon is thinking about banning certain words from its internal chat software, words like union and pay raise and plantation. So what do you expect Amazon to be doing as a company right now?
0: It's extremely hard in the United States to get anti-union companies to ever agree to a contract. And many companies deliberately slow walk Contract negotiations, not just for two months or, or or four months, but sometimes for a year, two years, even three years.
1: So the fight in Staten Island is far from over.
0: Right, right, and 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 so you could expect Amazon to like slow walk uh, the contract negotiations because that helps show workers. Well, you had great hopes that the union is going to deliver for you, but hey, here we are two years later, and you still don't have a contract, and that shows the union really can't deliver for you. And people, some workers will start wrongly blaming the union for that, but it's really the company that takes its sweet time. And remember also, if workers at Amazon, if they win great contracts, that's going to become a huge inspiration for every other Amazon worker across the US.
1: It's like an advertisement for a union.
0: Yes. And Amazon has you know, played hardball in many of its warehouses to quash unionization efforts. In December, the National Labor Relations Board reached a nationwide agreement with Amazon, saying you know where Amazon promised to comply with the nation's labor laws. One thing that Amazon security guards were doing at many warehouses was, whenever there was pro-union literature in the break room, the security guards would confiscate that, and that's illegal. I mean, workers have a have a right to you know distribute pro-union literature in the break room as long as they're not doing it during their work time. And the National Labor Relations Board said you have to give people a chance to talk, you know, to distribute literature. And Amazon promised, you know, sign a nationwide agreement that we're going to comply with laws. And I see that at other Amazon warehouses still some some security guards are confiscating literature. So Amazon really, really plays hardball. It's interesting to me how
1: much the NLRB has had to muscle in when it comes to Amazon.
0: I would probably not use the word muscle. I mean, it's, it's basically enforcing the law. And, and uh, you know, I think many labor experts will say the NLRB, if anything, has been understaffed, under-resourced, and hasn't been as active as it should be. And now, you know, under Biden, he has appointed a more pro-union uh, National Labor Relations Board, and it is moving with more alacrity to enforce the law. And many companies aren't used to that.
1: In writing about what happened in Staten Island, you've expressed some wariness about what goes on now. You've said that even though the vote in New York is important, if it's going to mean anything, about the labor movement at least, union leaders would need to rise to the occasion, which you say is not happening right now. What do you mean when you say that?
0: So what happened in Staten Island is this wonderful... Model of true bottom up organizing and and as we discussed Mary, this is going to inspire a lot of workers elsewhere who are going to want to try to do the same thing, but they need people to like advise them, instruct them on how you go about doing this they 'll need lawyers. One of my big questions is the Amazon labor union is this very small union it, you know it's it 's Christian and Derek and a few other people they had a budget of only one hundred and twenty thousand so when workers in St. Louis or Minneapolis or, or Seattle call them and say, we want to do this too, you know, do Chris and Derek have the financial wherewithal, do they have the time to like roll, you know, show other people how to do their model? And that's why I think it might be smart for them to affiliate with a larger, richer union to help them fly to Seattle or fly to San Francisco or fly to the Inland Empire outside L.A. to explain to other workers how to do it.
1: But if I was sitting in like a labor office right now, wouldn't I see this as a massive opportunity?
0: Yes, yes, yes. But it is this massive opportunity. But a lot of union leaders say those aren't my people. Those are in other industry. They're in this little independent union. You know, if I give the Amazon Labor Union five hundred thousand dollars to organize warehouses in Boston, Minnesota, Seattle, L.A., you know, how am I going to benefit? Union leaders have, you know, have talked for years and years and years, oh, we're going to try to turn around the decades-long decline in union membership and in union power. We're trying hard, but they really haven't tried very hard. They haven't done nearly enough organizing. But this is an, extre- an extraordinary moment for labor because there is so much energy. You know, It would really be very helpful for the labor movement if it wants to get out of its years of slumber and decline, to really step forward in a very big way with money, with lawyers, with expertise to help, and I think a lot of union leaders have gotten self-satisfied. You know, they have these prestigious jobs; they're pulling in good salaries, and like you know, they don't want to bust their humps trying to unionize a, a shop with five hundred or thousand workers because it can be an uphill battle and take lots of energy and, and aggravation. But they should seize the opportunity you know by coughing up some money to help it happen
1: stephen greenhouse thank you so much for joining me
0: great to talk with you mary
1: steve greenhouse is a senior fellow at the century foundation he's also the author of beaten down worked up the past present and future of american labor Shortly after this episode aired, in April, Amazon filed an objection to the union vote in Staten Island, trying to overturn it. That objection will likely be rejected, allowing the union to move forward. But the case is still pending, and eight months after the original vote, Amazon has still not offered a contract. Meanwhile, that second Staten Island warehouse we talked about, it ultimately voted against unionization, delivering a major blow to organizers. As of this recording, The one warehouse in Staten Island remains the only unionized Amazon facility in the country. And that's our show. This 2022 Look Back episode of What Next was produced by Mary Wilson, Carmel Del Shad, and Elena Schwartz, with a little help from Laura Spencer and Anna Rubinova. Our new production team includes Madeline Ducharme with help from Anna Phillips, Jared Downing, and Victoria Dominguez. Our head of ad production is Ben Richmond.